Starring the flesh. He's super strong and super naked. Thunder Girl. She flies like thunder. Stinky Diver. A former Navy commando with an attitude as bad as his odor. And Meltman. With the power to... Melt. Today's episode... Welcome to episode 40 of the Geek Generation. 40 episodes in already. It seems like it's been uh, not that long, but who knew? <laughs> uh, <laughs> once again this week, I am joined by Brian Lipsitz. How are you, Brian? Good, good. Yeah, it does not seem... It seems like we're, like, I don't know, episode 10 was like last week. I don't know. We're still weird. in our infancy. I know. It doesn't seem like it at all. And yet we're 40 yeah. episodes in already. Well then, we have a bunch of stuff coming up this episode, as we usually do. In addition to the geekouts and freakouts, we have a bunch of news out of this week's E3 convention, as well as a spoiler room discussion of X-Men First Class coming up later on. But before we get into all that, I saw Super 8 this weekend, and Brian, you'd mentioned you did not, correct? Yes, I have not seen it yet. Okay. Well, you're in for some good news, because I haven't written the review yet, but Super 8 mm-hmm. is my first 10 out of 10 of this year. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. J.J. Abrams did a fantastic job. It clearly has a very Spielberg feel because he is the executive producer. And Mm -hmm. it really feels a lot like those movies we used to watch growing up. It captures that whole nostalgia. It was like kind of a cross between E.T. and The Goonies and all those type of movies with a little more action and a little more foul language, I guess you could call it. But they're kids. They tend to swear a lot in the movie. And that's fine. Whatever. It's not a big deal. But And it is PG-13. You could take your kids to this movie unless you have some major hang-up about bad language. And there is a horror mm-hmm. element with the the creature that's in it. I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, obviously, because that's a big part of the movie and the mystery. So I don't want to talk about that too much. Maybe we'll have a Super 8 discussion down the line. But for now, I'll just say that it's a 10 out of 10. I absolutely loved it. The best movie so yeah. far this year. I haven't heard anything bad about it from the people, my friends who have seen it have said it was phenomenal. And yes, a lot of um, similar things where they said it's sort of like a mix of a lot of different movies, either from their childhood or like recently, like just a lot of blending of genres, which sounds cool to me. So yeah, it's definitely on my to-see list, but I think I may be seeing Green Lantern before it, so I don't know yet, depending how this week works out. Well, yeah, so. I can't blame you on that one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we've been looking forward so, to Green Lantern for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, that's that's very cool. I mean, I, I I fully expected it to be a great movie, so that just kind of reinforces my belief, but that's cool. Yeah, Super 8 topped the box office this weekend. It brought in an estimated $37 million, which might seem low, but the actual budget on this was less than movies like X-Men and Green Lantern and stuff like that, and Kung Fu Panda. It was way less than all those, so it won't be long before it breaks even and then becomes profitable. And word of mouth and yeah, everything just... will spread very quick on this. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, a lot of people are saying that's really disappointing because it's only $37 million, but yeah, it's a smaller budget film, and it's not a, blo- a summer blockbuster in the in the sense of where they made a huge, used a huge budget. So I think that's perfectly fine for what it was. And I mean, they were just trying to get into, you know, the, into a summer, you know, with which a lot of, with a lot of big movies. So I think that's perfectly understandable for an opening weekend with, you know, squeezed in between X-Men and Green Lantern. So. Absolutely. And we were worried yeah. a little bit about Super 8 impacting X-Men first class as far as money goes, but X-Men did stay in second place in the box office or it dropped to second place because it was first last yep. weekend. It brought in an additional $25 million, so it's now totaling $99 million. So it's almost to the 100 million point, but I don't know if, I don't think it's going to reach 150, which was supposedly their point of their, their goal to basically greenlight a sequel. So I don't, I, I can't see it, especially with Green Lantern coming out. I don't see it reaching 100. It's going to take a lot to reach 150. Yeah. So I don't know. So it seems to be slightly, I think the problem is it's, it's, uh, you know, not a lot of people like we will, we'll get into, but in the spoiler room, but it's not exactly the X-Men movie that the public was, I think, uh, or it doesn't have the big name value of the older X-Men movies. Yeah. There's so. a lot more fan service here than I was necessarily yeah. expecting. And that was all very yeah. welcome. I thought. Yes. But for the general audience. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. And in, in third in the box office was the hangover part two brought in <sighs> another 18 and a half million. And it's now become the highest that. grossing movie of 2011 with a total of 216.5 million, <sighs> which is unbelievable because it's easily the worst movie I've seen this year. That's what I was going to say. Everyone I've heard has given it terrible reviews, yet people are still seeing it and it's making money, which just annoys the shit out. See, I'm actually hearing other things because uh, the high school age kids Kids, it seems to be that's yeah. where the humor is for them and uh, i don't know gotcha. maybe maybe <laughs> is it weird to say we're getting too old for that garbage i don't know because i i really thought the first one was pretty not like dying like funniest movie i ever saw but i enjoyed the first one and i heard this was like just bad so i mean i don't know maybe that's a sort of effect to it but yeah i don't know maybe it's the cool thing because like high school kids like yeah they think it's funny because it's you know the, you know like the in thing to like now so i don't know it's interesting i don't know well yeah i think just like i've been guilty of in the past i've liked certain movies that i probably shouldn't have as much of when i first saw it because it was part of a franchise and then afterwards looking back was like wow what was i thinking and i think the hangover too is a lot of that a lot of people saying wow the hangover was so good uh, why wouldn't the second one be funny it must be and then yeah. they're just going in yeah. and i don't know it's it's hard to explain but I, I actually did release my review of that yesterday that I've been meaning to write for a while, and there's it was, nothing it was glowing. Pretty funny. Yeah. There, it's pretty funny, actually. I was quite, I was quite amused with how short it was. It was like, there's nothing else to say. This movie was terrible. There really wasn't, and I thought it was a short yeah. review, but in all honesty, it came out to the exact same time as my review for Limitless, which I actually uh, actually loved. Yeah. And it's funny that they were both Bradley Cooper movies, and they were both 2 minute and 57 <laughs> second reviews, which wasn't intentional, but it just happened out that way. Go yeah. figure. And... Uh, just to end the box office discussion, way down in the basement, um, as we've been following comic movies, uh, Thor is now in ninth place, which doesn't shouldn't surprise me because it came out in early May. But it is now stands at uh, it made two million this weekend, and now it is at 173 overall. But um, internationally, it's made a shitload, so it's completely actually really doing well. So internationally, so I'm not really worried. But that's that's where it is right. And now. who would have thought sure- Thor would be way more successful than an X Men movie? 
Yeah, it, it's, it just shows you the power of Marvel Studios now with the branding of them all interlocking, I think. And, uh, I'm gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see Green Lantern. I, I don't know, I don't really want to make a prediction, because I don't know what it's gonna, I know it's gonna be number one, but I don't know how big of an opening it's gonna be, because I've heard a lot, it's, well, we'll get into this in my freakouts and geekouts, so I'll save that, so. Okay. About Green Lantern. Well then, uh, we might it. as well hop right in and go right into our yeah. geekouts. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> what are you geeking out over? Uh, I am geeking out about Green Lantern because I've been waiting for it so long, but on the other hand, it's weird. It seems like this week, all of a sudden, a lot of, like, not negativity, but a lot of people are all of a sudden, like, coming out of the woodwork being like, this movie's going to be terrible, and um, it's sort of, like, bringing me down a little bit, wondering that maybe this movie isn't going to be that great, and, you know, I kind of was swinging on the upswing back of thinking it was going to be good, and now, you know... um, a lot of people, even including my friends, are like, oh, we'll go see it, but this movie's probably going to suck. Like, I don't know. There's, like, this, this like, sort of, like, stigma that, like, this movie's going to suck, and I don't know what happened. It's I don't know if it's just because... I don't know. It's, it's just a weird thing. Like, the week of release, usually when people get excited, or the week before, people usually... And just there just seems to be this, like... Uh, and I, I just wondering. How, I mean, it's going to obviously open number one, but I just don't know what the legs are on it are going to be, and if, if it's even going to make a. I'm, I'm sure it will have a good opening weekend, but I just don't think it's going to be monstrous. But I could be completely wrong. We'll see. Yeah, it does seem like I, the there way, is some negativity cropping up, which is hard to understand because for a while yeah. people were negative, but then the new footage came yeah. out. There was a lot of positive attitude, and where'd that positive attitude go? Yeah, and Blakegate, come on. <laughs> I know, right? Shouldn't that make everyone excited? But, but um, even if it, it does, just, like, stink, I'm not going to lose hope, and I will actually will it in proper Green Lantern fashion. I will will it to be good. <laughs> yeah, and the other interesting thing is, um, I, I don't know if you've ever followed this, but they have, like, tracking numbers beforehand yep. where they do, like, sort of... And the tracking was actually really, really strong up with, like, X-Men and Thor level. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, this last past week, it's kind of just dropped. And it actually dropped in female interest, which is weird to me because Blake i thought <laughs> you never know be. man it could be I, I i could think i didn't actually think of that because i was thinking I'm like wait because everyone was gung-ho about like oh ryan girls love ryan reynolds and now all of a sudden like the female interest level has dipped so i don't i don't know we'll see we'll, we'll keep the, i mean they're not always accurate but they're pretty good indicator of how it's going to open so we'll see but yeah the the female leader the female interest is dipped so in um in addition dipped. to this did you catch emerald knights at all uh, I did, and I and I enjoyed it very much. Um, not as uh, it kind of going back, kind of showed me that uh, I didn't really like First Flight as much as I thought I did. Really, you know, in retrospect, yeah, I don't know. It was sort of like I thought this was a better. Yes, Hal wasn't in it that much, but I thought it was a better overall thing of the Green Lantern thing. I don't know the Hal. The I don't know First Flight. I just I don't know. Going back to it, I'm like, you know, I don't know if it was as good as I thought it was. But I I I really liked Emerald Knights. I mean, I wasn't like blow away like um was under the red hood or anything, but it was it was enjoyable for what it was. I, I liked it a lot. I was impressed I with how well they transitioned to all the separate stories. It never felt like it was being forced, you know? Yes, yes. And I, I enjoyed a lot of the uh the voice cast was phenomenal. I thought Definitely. Lot, you know, especially Nathan Fil- Nathan Fillion and, you know, um drawing a blank on the other person that I liked. <laughs> yeah. No, there was some really good voice casting. Roddy yeah, Roddy Piper was. was very good. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, I mean, you know, Roddy Roddy Piper. I'm like, I don't know about this, but yeah, no, he was good. Olfunga the unrelenting. (laughs) Definitely, I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely check it out if you're a fan of Green Lantern, and you know, definitely probably a good week to watch it to get ready for the the movie, or even after you see the movie to if you're more interested in the the uh, the uh, more um, 
you know, more of the franchise or more of the mythology. So yeah, definitely. it's got good special features too, which I haven't checked out, but nor have I, but I did see part of the year one, um, sneak peek and I do, I'm yes. going to finish that because I'm so excited for that movie. Yes. And, uh, uh Elijah Dushko voicing Catwoman has got me excited. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so good stuff. Cool. What else you got? Um, my other thing is, uh, just in general, um, this DC thing is kind of like, an, it's sort of drifting between geek out and freak out. I'm sort of like in the middle now, so that's why I was debating where to put it. But uh, this whole DC reboot, the more I look at it, it's so, some of it looks so bad, but some of it sort of interests me, and I just don't know how to describe it. Like, half of me is like being pulled in one direction, half of me is being pulled in the other yeah. direction. And uh, the Superman stuff really looks terrible to me, so that, that's a freak out, I guess. Yep. So I'm sort of breaking the barrier. But, uh, the 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 you know some of it really looks good and some of it just looks bad and it's it's just a great it's just a huge grant gamble and I think the geeking out part is that there's just never been anything in comics in a long time that's gotten this much buzz like it's got this like buzz that's indescribable that like and Marvel is I was reading an interview with uh, one of the editors at Marvel and they're actually concerned now like what to do like because they're coming come september they're like kind of afraid of the the numbers coming in of the the books because you know launching 52 number ones in one month you know they're gonna destroy the top 20 mm-hmm. at least of marvel so i don't know it's it's just so it's just a weird thing where it's like you there hasn't been a, a big story in comic books in a long time and i've heard a lot of people who are interested in jumping on board that really aren't into comics that much so it may work out for dc so i don't know i don't know i guess it's a geek out slash freak out there do you think so. any of the negativity towards the dc reboot is affecting people's attitudes towards the green lantern movie that's a fair question i don't i don't think so i mean the hardcore fans i don't think would be stupid enough to be like i'm gonna boycott the movie because i'm pissed off right. about and plus the green lantern titles are the ones that haven't been really touched at all they're actually keeping them relatively the same and what i heard is that they're really not even changing anything for, to the only thing they're changing is their the green lantern book itself used to be sort of more of for all the now it's going to be completely centered on hal jordan which makes sense because of the movie mm-hmm. but other than that they're not really changing any of the creative teams um for that much so yeah I, I don't think that would be anything to be the case but that is a fair question i didn't even really think of <laughs> yeah one thing <laughs> i noticed call. from the dc reboot is that and i was i kept thinking about where's wally where's wally and is he kid flash again because if so no that's that's no that is um that is uh impulse bart allen kid oh, flash okay because i was gonna wally say nightwing been... and wally would be drastically different ages which changes their relationship quite a bit well, apparently Dick is going to be de-aged a bit because Batgirl is being de-aged a bit because I think everybody have... is for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, and um, I just have to say that uh, yeah, Wally has not been mentioned, and it looks like Wally may, unless he shows up in the Flash book, which is definitely going to be Barry Allen. Uh, he may be written out. I don't know, um, but it looks like everyone else has survived. But excuse me, changed quite a bit. And um, I just want to say uh, I got oh, I'll wait for my freakout for the Superman books. Okay. Uh, any other geek outs then? <laughs> Uh, not, I can think of, not, I think I'm, I'm, uh, there was, yeah, no, no, nothing. Okay. No. Well, uh, I'm, I'm geeking out of a Green Lantern too, but we talked about that a yeah. little bit already. Just, I'm really, really pumped for it. I'm a little bummed that I can't see it on opening night because I do have a wrestling show and I don't know what it is about my wrestling company, but they decided to have <laughs> their two shows on, um, in June and in July 
they both hit on Green Lantern's release date and on Captain America's release date. So, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so I almost wanted to be like, it's you know what? I haven't had, I haven't been on a show in a couple of months, so maybe I'll just take a couple more months off because these are very important <laughs> things to me, more Seriously, so than wrestling is these days. Ser- I was just, yeah, I was gonna say uh, that. That's my freakouts, but not not your wrestling, but yeah, it's just yeah, conspiracy, conspiracy now. <laughs> right. Uh, the next thing I'm geeking out over is Infamous Two. And I have had quite a good amount of time with Infamous 2 so far, and I'm loving absolutely everything about it. They changed some things, like the way side missions are activated and everything, and I love every single change they've made. Nothing feels like it was done for a bad reason. I'm loving it. Yeah, I read the reviews, and they're all really good. The only thing I heard slightly negative, which not not even like a blip, but they said that the um, side missions were a little too like it's too almost o- too open worldish. They said some people said that they were they felt that it was too like you can go off wherever forever in the side missions and sort of get not lost, but just sort of like I don't know. And they they felt that uh, that that's that was the only negative. I read. A little bit, I but played, you'd so. compare it to uh, Spider Man Two, perhaps the game. Where gotcha. yep. where certain things would pop up every now and then, except mm-hmm. in Spider Man mm-hmm. Two, it was like a do or die thing. You either either did it that second or that side mission disappeared, yeah, or, it, or it disappeared forever. Yeah, yeah, Infamous Two, you can kind of run away from it for a while and come back to it, unless you get within That's a cool, certain man. distance of it. Like there is mm-hmm. a particular one where there'll be a bomb on the side of a building, and if you get in a certain uh, vicinity of it, you'll hear it ticking. Then you only have so long to deactivate it. Every other side mission doesn't seem to be time sensitive. That makes sense. That's that's cool, then. I like that. Yeah, so you can go to them, you can ignore them, and it doesn't really hurt you one way or the other if you ignore, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think it was actually done really well. And then there are also the side missions that are actually, like, marked missions on the map that you can go to. So you really do have a lot of options. I think they made a lot of smart decisions about it. Yeah, I mean, overall, I've heard everything was improved and uh, much better. So. Yeah, and the stuff that it comes with in the Hero Edition is well worth getting. The uh, Cole McGrath statue is top-notch, and the Sling Pack I love and I actually use now. That's awesome. Yeah, I plan on bringing that to New York Comic Con with me. That'll be my official backpack nice. for the year, <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> for, very cool. Yeah, um, the last thing I'm geeking out over is the Google logo that was up this week. Did you happen to see it at all? Um, I didn't see it, but I heard about it, so I know I know. Yeah, on, <laughs> on Thursday, they put it up in celebration of Les Paul. Uh, for people who don't know, Les Paul was involved with guitars very heavily. And yep. on it was so popular of a Google logo that they extended it to Friday as well. And it was really done well. Um, it had the word Google, obviously, somewhat abstracted as usual. And there were guitar strings in between that you could pluck with your mouse. But the other cool part about it is that you could actually record the strings that you plucked and play back that music sequence, which was a whole bunch of programming that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It was, it, from what I heard, it was very, very cool. I didn't have a chance. I, I, someone told me about it. Go check it out. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I got distracted and yeah. never did it. So, But I heard very, I got very, I heard very cool things about it as well. So. Yeah, it was great. But that was just like a little like, oh, that's awesome. Like mini geek out. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to freakouts then. Oh, freakout. What you got? Um. Oh my god! Um, I don't. I, I assume did you check out the Superman books? It's one of my freakouts. It's the only freakout for me as well. The Superman books <laughs> oh, are just terrible. Let's delve into it. Then. Terrible. Um. All right. So first of all, we got uh, Action Comics number one, which is 
the flagship title of DC that's been around since 1938, and they're relaunching it with my favorite writer, answered sarcasm, Grant Morrison, um, which looks like they're going to use this book as sort of a year one Superman book where he first comes to Earth, and it's, you know, and the cover is him in jeans and, like, almost like looks like a construction worker with, like, jeans and a Mm T-shirt and lifting up, and I'm just, I saw this. And, like, a little shred of cape behind him. Yeah, and I was just like, this looks absolutely horrible. And I read the interview with Grant Morrison yesterday, and he's basically saying how they're changing major things to the Superman mythos, and they're changing lots and stuff, sort of rebuilding him from the ground up. And I'm just like, why are you don't fuck with Superman? Sorry for this, but you don't fuck with Superman. He's just like this iconic character, Americana icon. You just don't. He's more or less the ambassador of comic books to the mainstream media. Yeah, and they're going to completely... Fuck with it, and I yet I hear so many people excited about it because they love Grant Morrison. Fair enough, but I just think it's a complete misfire, and it's gonna be a dis- it's it's gonna sell shitloads of copies. Yeah. But I um uh there's certain people on Twitter who are quite excited about it that I won't mention. But um yeah, there just I, I it just looks like garbage. I said it, it, and then we get um the other Superman title, which is going to be the one that's in the DC universe presently is uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow, where he looks like he has Iron Man-type cosmic armor, like uh, like Iron Man boots, and like oh, he's got the traditional ass and everything, mm-hmm. but it's almost like a bulky armor, and I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you changing Superman? Now, is it actually I called understand- Man of Tomorrow? Because the DC source blog yeah, I- said it had like Superman the Man of Tomorrow today as the sub-headline, but the book said Superman number one. Uh, then maybe I'm wrong. I don't. <laughs> I forget. It could be or could not be. I it it it, it, it what for all sorts of purposes it is Superman number one. It could be. It could have a subtitle to the title. I'm not sure. Okay. But um, it this is going to be the one that you know shows what happens to like his supporting cast and you know. I just think it's ridiculous that they're giving Superman one book in the present continuity and they're giving Batman like 18 books in the present continuity. And it shows that they have really no faith in Superman, and the fact that they're changing this drastically, and I just it it just looks absolutely terrible. And um, well, in all fairness, I, the Bat I, family is a lot more expansive and interesting than the Superman family. Well, yeah, and they're also selling a lot better. Superman is, you know, but this is the opportunity to really change that. I mean, in the way they're changing it, you know, you should change the character, not not the you know the cosmetics had really nothing to do True. with why the character isn't working. I mean. And just I can just imagine if Smallville was going another season, it would be a disaster. Yeah, because <laughs> they. Pro- but um, it's just it's just really, and it worries me now about the new movie. I don't know. I I just hope this doesn't. Is this just looks terrible? And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm maybe exaggerating in my worry, but I have no interest in in, the, in either of these Superman titles. And it's sad that Superman should be a number like top five tier selling book and it's somewhere in like the mid 40s at this point mm-hmm. so i mean yes it needed a reboot but not this way and just to close on this uh supergirl's costume looks absolutely hideous Ugh. as well where again why why mess with success they're changing it to some sort of like cosmic uh she's got like tight panties almost on and like giant boots and it just it was like a collared cape and it just looks really weird and like i uh, they almost 
I getting the feeling that they're they sort of merged Power Girls image with her because there's no Power Girl and there's no Justice Society anymore mm-hmm. apparently because neither of them are existing. And uh, the fact that really annoys me is that they are now de-aging her back into being a bratty teenager who doesn't understand human culture. And I'm just like, oh my god. So yeah, it it it's just it. Superman books annoy the shit out of me. So <laughs> no, it's well, the, and don't even bring up Superboy. What the hell is going on with that cover? It looks like they're doing the uh, you watch you watch Young Justice. I do, I love it. Yeah, Young and they they're kind yeah, of doing the look- program, but he looks like a machine, not necessarily just yeah, something generated. It, look- it it looks like they're doing that origin and updating him with that origin, but yeah, it's sort of like he's not. I don't know if that's like him coming out of a pod or that's, but I, I don't think he's going to be a machine, but. It just looks really bizarre, yeah, and I, I, I just don't. Even well, the know. Young Superman Justice origin like... isn't even that far off of the actual. No, but they are supposedly taking away the fact that he is uh, has a DNA of Lex Luthor in him, which was always a cool part of it because he had half of Superman's DNA and half. And now they're taking that away and just make just like Young Justice and making it sort of uh, generic human DNA that we don't know who is it well, is. So maybe down the line they, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's my rant on the Superman books. So no like, no like. Yeah. But uh, uh well, as far as the costume goes and the aesthetics, my biggest issue is that everything that was great about the Superman costumes was how simple they were and just primary yeah. colors and basic and blue spandex with the red tights and the red cape and Supergirl yeah. was similar, like long sleeve shirt, skirt. Like I don't know, it it's just a horrible direction they're going in now. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, we're revitalizing them and redesigning them for the 21st century. And I'm like, dude, this looks like, and I, I think I posted my face. I said it looks like something out of like a 1990s like um, alternate reality title that they would have put out like you know back in the day. It doesn't like it doesn't even look like our like I think people are gonna not even realize like I would think if you want new readers, it start a new number one, but keep what people re- recognize. Like people are not gonna even realize that's Superman. Like they're gonna be like, what? What is mm-hmm. this? Like. I don't know. I don't know. Not my decisions, but do not like. Yeah, he looks a lot more so. like the um. Oh, what the hell is that guy's name? Uh, the one during the uh the rise of the Superman. Which one? Oh, um, 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 the the eradicator. yeah the eradicator. He's kind of going yes. in that direction. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't like. Nor it, do but, I. Yeah. What? But um, for that, that was my first geek out. My second geek out is just general. Uh, just I think I talked about this off the air with you maybe last week, but just just general dismay in the state of uh, pro wrestling, which yes, everyone knows I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of. I'm just not interested in it anymore, and it's almost a chore to watch every. And I watch Mondays just because it's habit. But at this point, I, there's absolutely nothing in it that interests me. The storylines are terrible. Um, I'm sick of everything. There's nothing that uh, I have completely like at this point. Just like and see my favorite wrestlers leaving at the end of July. Uh, CM Punk, mm-hmm. and uh, I just, just, and, you know, even, you know, Christian turning heel, and, you know, that was uh, a kind of an okay thing, which I haven't even seen yet, but uh, him getting a big push doesn't even excite me, I just don't like the state of the company, and that's just WWE, TNA sucks anyways, and so I'm just sort of, like, disenfranchised with the whole thing, and it's, I don't know, I'm caught at a crossroads where I'm like, maybe I'm outgrowing it, or maybe the product just is terrible, and I don't I don't know, it's just, it's just sort of, like, there, and it, it kind of bums me out, because that was one of my big interests, yeah. but at this point, it's just like, meh, like, I'm, I get more excited playing <laughs> the video game <laughs> than I do watching the shows, which is not a good sign. Yeah. Well, one so, of the things about know. wrestling that's really tough is there are only so many formulas for matches that you can put together and it is a rare breed of person that can 
take those things and make them feel fresh, even though it's the same formula. So, and they they don't have a ton of those people anymore, and that's the problem. Well, I think also the problem is, I mean, you're going 52 weeks a year with no with no stopping, and yes, the story you you've run the gauntlet of everything pretty much. They need some sort of break, or you know, like a regular TV show, some sort of break. And I know Vince McMahon would never do that, but you can't have pay per views every month. No one's buying them. You can't have two TV shows a week. Like it just it's too it's too much. Yeah, the audience isn't there anymore. And like you said, they don't have those guys like. The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, they don't have those guys that can get you invested anymore. Yeah, there are too many people missing the it factor, even if they can put it together. Like, there was complaints for a while that The Rock was doing the same thing every match, but yet you still had your eyes glued to him when he did it. Meanwhile, John Cena is like the exact same thing, where he does the same thing every match, but But it's not the same as The Rock, because he just doesn't have as much of the it factor as The Rock does. No, I mean, and you can pretty much predict every week he's going to come out and cut some sort of corny jokey promo, and then get really serious at the end, and no one buys that he's ever going to get beat. It's kind of like uh, if we were maybe if this is what people felt like in the 80s with Hogan, but there wasn't as much pay-per-views and TV, so it was different. But it was just like every week it's like I don't believe that anyone's going to beat him because he beats everyone and destroys them. Yeah. Like, I mean, The Miz is already down in the mid-card again after, you know, headlining WrestleMania. It's just, it just annoys the shit out of me. And they don't give guys chances. They bury guys. They, they push guys and then bury them. It's just, it's just yeah, I'm, I'm – done for a while i think <laughs> yeah no i agree. i don't know i agree so i've that, been out of it for a couple my months now and it's just i yeah it, it does it feels like a chore there are so many things i would rather be doing or rather watching exactly and, it's just like yeah i mean it, it it's the summer always sucks because usually there's really nothing else on at that time so i'll be like all right i'll watch it but you know once the fall season starts you know if something better comes along at that time i'll i'll uh maybe move on so we'll see but you know i say that they need something i mean my last comment i'm running hmm. long but my last comment on this like last for example last year at this exact time was when they did the giant big nexus storyline yeah. where everyone was going crazy and it was this huge thing that everyone thought was going to be awesome and, it, and for a while it was it was it was great and then a year later let's look at it all the nexus guys are mid card jobbers yep. and no one got no one's over and it never it's pretty much never even had a conclusion and no one had no one cares so that shows you pretty much you know even if you have a big storyline they don't know how to do anything with it very so, true that's all very very true but uh, that was my those are my freak outs. okay well the only one I had was the Superman stuff so um, yeah. not to tie this into wrestling too much but are you ready Brian <laughs> are you ready I guess I am good. <laughs> Three, two, one. Yeah, I'm springing it on you. Top three, buddy. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while, so I'll remind people. Uh, top three is a game we play every now and then. Basically, I'm going to give Brian a category, and his job is to give me the top three answers that satisfy, satisfy this category in no particular order. So now that you're nervous and on the hot seat, Brian, um, <laughs> since we've been talking about the DC reboot so much, I would like to know what your top three shockers from the DC reboot are. Whether they're positive or negative doesn't really matter, but what are the three things that stand out as, holy crap, look at this? Um, The negative, obviously, the, the Superman one got me big, was like, go oh God, what the hell are they doing? Um, That's just my number one, because he is their flagship. Uh, like we said, we went over that pretty much. That That's definitely one of them. Um, I guess my second one, it would have to be, personally, I love Firestorm, so I was excited to see Firestorm, excuse me, get, uh, getting his own, um, series and sort of a, a, 
kind of a weird revamp, even though they kind of just revamped him in Brightest Day. But uh, he, it, it got, it's getting me excited just because it's a Firestorm book, and I like the creative mm-hmm. team. Um, the third would have to be just the weirdness of the randomness of these some of these titles, like. They seem to. I understand they want to do fifty-two because there's fifty-two. You know, fifty-two is a number for DC. Fifty-two universes in their galaxy. I mean, in their in their realities. But um, some of these titles, like Sergeant Rock and the Armies of War, or like Voodoo, or like Grifter, these characters that no one cares about, or I Vampire, like some of this stuff, I just don't see having any sort of audience, and it's going to fall fast. Like, they'll they'll be fine for the first month, but people are not going to... Like, I give it six months before they start plummeting down the sales chart. Yeah, I didn't even know Grifter was still around. What happened to the rest of the Wildcats? (laughs) He's not, dude. He's the only one to... Now they've merged him into the DC Universe. Right, I was going to say. That's so weird. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, stuff like that, I just don't think there's an audience for, and like, um, I don't know, Justice League Dark, stuff like that, I just don't... I don't think is going to have an audience and Frankenstein uh, agent of shade stuff like mm-hmm. that I'm just like it may have like a cult sort of if it's a, I'm not saying the books aren't going to be good but it's just some I understand they're trying to make like different genres so you know if you're interested in the supernatural stuff and but it just seemed there's a lot of superheroes like Shazam uh, Plastic Man that just didn't get a book and I'm just like what did the Justice Society and like and yet you're making books like I Vampire right. I, I just I just didn't understand so those are was that two or three? That's three. Yeah, three. solid yeah. answers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In relation to that, if you had it's it's yeah. outside the category and outside the game, obviously, but yeah. if you had to choose a best costume redesign and a worst costume redesign, which would you pick? Do you think? Oh God, I'm gonna have to look at the. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, I can give you obviously a uh, a best one right away. I think the redesign of Tim Drake's Red Robin costume is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, you you like that? See, I I want I don't hate it, but um, I just thought it looks he kind of looks like the Falcon from Marvel now. He just looks like I don't know. I don't like the I don't like the idea of Tim Drake having like like bird <laughs> But I mean, it, it's not it's not bad. I'd have to say my least favorite it'd probably be either Kid Flash, mm-hmm. who looks like some sort of weird image '90s r- weird someone character, or um. What was the other worst one I had? I just lost it. Uh, Deathstroke looks really bizarre and, like, sort of, like, taken too much to the extreme of, like, again, making it, like, an image comic from the mm-hmm. mid-90s. Uh, my favorite, I, I do, it was very slightly done. I do like the Nightwing. I do like the Nightwing one, even though they didn't really change much by add, just adding the giant red bat in yeah. the middle or a bat-ish type thing, but I really like the design of that. And um, lastly, I have to say the worst is going to be Deadshot as a giant cyborg and Harley Quinn as a goth <laughs> cosplay girl. I kind of dig Harley's yeah, redesign, honestly. I know a lot of yeah, people are down I on mean, it, but I kind of dig it. I was just thinking, you know, if you're going to redesign her, at least make like the Arkham Asylum costume from the video Which game. Which was also like, really why, good. Why, yeah, why just, I, I don't know. It doesn't look like Harley Quinn to me, but, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, those are. I think those are the only ones I can, uh, the, there's, there's um, you know, Batgirl kind of, Batman stayed the yep. same. Some A lot of them are similar. So, I mean, oh, I really like Green Arrows. Yes, they took right solid costume redesign. Completely, completely Smallville. Like they even Jim Lee even said it is completely Smallville. Yeah. So I like that. So. Yeah, um, I dig the Red Robin one. I still hate the name Red Robin. I think it's just too similar. Yeah, I just yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't understand why they just didn't get a Red Damian and make Tim Drake Robin. Again. Either that, or if you're even gonna give Tim his own character, like don't keep tying him to that. Like Nightwing broke out but, yeah. and has his own name and own identity. Yeah. I think Tim deserves the same at this point. 
I agree. And for the worst costume um, redesign, yeah. I think Supergirl's is absolutely the worst, in my opinion. Yeah, I, it's it's up there. I mean, it's just it's just it's just terrible. I don't even know. What I don't even know what's going it. on with her knees. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, why would your boots wrap around and not cover your knees and then extend above know. them? It's and I mean, odd. I love Jim, and I love Jim Lee, but the fact that he designed all these makes me kind of wonder. Well, and in fairness to him, he didn't redesign all of them. He had a say in them, but there oh, yes. were you're, various you're right. artists. Yeah. Yes, but um, and lastly, I have to say this has nothing to do with what you just asked, but the greatest character slash premise is still Batwing number one, which I still <laughs> have no fucking idea why anyone would want to make the most racist synopsis. Join us in this historic moment when the first black character to wear the black Batman mantle will be the first to his... Oh, it's because he's black, is it? Oh, way to be... And he's not wearing the Batman mantle. I, he, and, yeah, uh, I, that I drives me I crazy, too. They say he's the first character to wear the mantle. He's not wearing the mantle. He might have a Bat logo on him, but he has no I, Batman mantle whatsoever. And I didn't know this, but because I, I don't read Batman Incorporated anymore, he's been in the in the series for three full pages so far, and they're giving him his own title. And I'm just like, that's fucking terrible. That's horrible idea. Badly. Horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's those are my uh, those are mine. I think. Yeah. yeah. Can't think of anything else. Okay. So. Well, well played. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna take a quick break right now, and we will be right back with the news and the spoiler room. Do you shop on Amazon.com? Would you like to support the Geek Generation while shopping on Amazon.com? Great, because you can do both without spending any additional money. All you need to do is visit www.thegeekgeneration.com and find the Amazon button on the front page. Click the button, do your normal shopping, and check out. You've spent no additional money, but you have earned us a commission. Please make this a regular part of your Amazon.com shopping routine. Hey, this is Chris Hardwick, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. In case for some reason you forgot the thing you were listening to. Why would you do that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell. I'm still so pumped you did that. That's awesome. I really am. Alright, coming back, we have the listener emails. And last week I asked everybody, is DC making the right move by resetting to number one? We got a couple written responses, and we actually did get an audio response, which I am absolutely thrilled about. So we'll get into all those right now. Sweet. The first one comes in from Mike Volpe, who says, I'm so sick of all the rebooting. Rebooting all the DC comics is absolutely crazy. Sounds like a suicide move to me. Personally, I feel as though rebooting is just an excuse to start over due to a lack of creativity and new ideas. On the other hand, I can understand how it could become difficult to create something new with Superman or Batman after decades of being in production. Rebooting Batman isn't going to bring in new fans. It's going to piss off the longtime fans. This probably isn't going to work. So there's a definite negative opinion there. But on the flip side, there's one in from Nick Hurd, who says, Being a longtime reader of most of DC's titles, I have mixed feelings about their reboot. I feel that those who have been longtime readers are going to be extremely confused, but those who will be picking up DC titles for the first time will be okay with following most of the stories. Overall, I believe that this has the possibility of becoming a good decision on DC's part because it will bring them new customers and help to fix the confusing world they have created. Which I agree with to an extent, but at the same time, we've said before, they're just adding even more confusion to yeah. what was already confusing, unlike what they should have done. So, Yeah. Yeah. The last one we have is our audio response from G1 himself, so I will let him give his answer. Ryan, Rob. 
As always, I love the Geek Gen. So what do I think of DC's reboot? Well, at first I thought, those fucking nerf herders can suck my Dr. Manhattan if they think for one fucking second I'm going broke with Scriptonian bullshit. But then I calmed down, took a breath, and I realized that I haven't actually purchased a new DC comic in over 10 years. The reboot only affects the DC universe and shouldn't affect action comics from reaching issue 1000 or any of my beloved Vertigo titles. Actually, I'm kind of surprised that this didn't happen sooner. With DC trailing behind Marvel since 2002 in comic book sales, but grossing much more in their successful movie franchises and animated series, not to mention their big TV hit Smallville, it was really only a matter of time before something major like this happened. DC would be foolish not to start pumping out a Smallville title, or at least revamping Superman to pick up where it left off. In the long term, that's not really interesting though. Heartbreaking, sure. But mark my words, this isn't the first reboot in comic history, and it won't be the last. Can anybody say Red Hood? No. What is really interesting about this announcement is the change in format. For as long as I can remember, people have been saying that if comic books are going to survive, they need to start to lower their prices per issue and get comics into more available stores than just comic shops. DC Comics will now be found online the same day as they appear in stores, but at half price? This is Scott McCloud speaking through DC's mouth. This is the milestone that will signal the end of the modern era of comics. Gold, silver, bronze, modern, and now finally, the digital era. It's a new frontier, anything can happen, and I, I think that scares a lot of us. Live long and geek out. G1. Way to make it as dramatic as possible. <laughs> I, just, I felt like he was like reading it like in a in a dark room like with just like a dim light on himself and like reading like really dramatic but it was great. It felt uh, very like, masterpiece theater to me. It did. It did. It did. I liked it. <laughs> I can see him closing just, his action comics and like putting one leg up over on the other and being, "Hey guys, um let's talk for a second. I disagree on the one point is the uh the impact of the digital um day and um, the only reason is it sounds good in theory, but the problem is, as Marvel uh, consistently put it um, in their interview yesterday with one of the, their top editors, they've looked into doing this for years, or at least the past year, and yes, it sounds easy, but there's a lot more logistics and tech stuff that you know get, goes into it. Yes, you know, doing stuff from the past, putting it online uh, and digitally is easier, but to do it with every week with the new titles it's going to burn it's going to take a lot of effort and i don't think it's going to be it's going it, to they're going to try it but i just don't think it's going to it's going to work out and i think they're they're in for a surprise if they think they're going to be able to get it out on a weekly timely basis i just don't think it's going to work and i think there's still too many people who like the print and like the idea of going to the comic shop every Wednesday and picking up their new books. Mm -hmm. So I don't think not, not to say it's not going to be successful. I just don't think the digital thing is going to, it's not going to usher in a new age, but that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I could be completely wrong. Well, I do think one of the smart things they're doing and I know they're doing it with justice league. Number one, I don't know about everything else, but they are planning on releasing that one as the uh, paper version with a voucher for the digital version included. I think that is a genius move. Yes. 
That see that makes more sense to me. If the, I think they're only doing the Justice League, but if they yes, that would make more sense. But no, I, I think that that's only for Justice League, right? Because yeah. I have no interest personally. Like I, we've said, I'm not a digital reader for the most yeah, part. You are either. I'm the same. But no. if it's like having the digital copy, am I always going to want to have the digital copy of a movie around? No, but once in a while, it comes in handy to have it. Exactly. I, I, that's exactly, you know, it's a good bonus if you're going to, I like, that's exactly like the, how I look at it, you know, with the Blu-rays and, you know, it comes a digital copy. That's cool. If I ever want to put it on my eye, my eye touch or whatever, that's cool. But I don't like, I'm, I'm not going to be the type that's going to sit on my iPad and just like read comics that way. That's just not going to happen. I'd rather take something off the bookshelf and read it. And that's just how I am. And it, it depends on your person. Do you have an iPad? Uh, no, no. Well, then you're I definitely just, not going to read it on an iPad. <laughs> I was just using it as iPad. No, I know what you mean. I don't that. either. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if my opinion would change if I did have a tablet of some sort. Yeah. And, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've even tried reading it on my computer stuff digitally. Yeah. I just don't like I don't, it. I don't like it either. It's just not, it's not my style. I don't know. And I know there's a lot of people out there who do enjoy it that way. So to them, that's cool. But yeah, if, that, yeah, if this works cool. for them, then that's fine. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. It's 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 gonna it's gonna sink or I give it six to twelve months to see if it's gonna sink or swim. And if if they're that that's when they're you know they're gonna start cutting the titles that that don't work. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see. And so, but good 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 uh good comment. Yeah, I'm glad we got audio responses too. And for those who haven't heard that before, when we do give a poll question from now on, if you want to submit something in an audio format, whether you record it yourself and send it in. Or if you want to email me at podcast at com and work out some sort of a time where you can, uh, I can call you on Skype. I am thinking eventually I'm going to set up a number where people can call in and just kind of leave messages. I have to look into that a little bit more. There are some pay services that do that well. Uh, there are some free services that do it. I don't know how well they do it, though, but I think that would be cool to have a little bit of a hotline set up. Because I think people yeah. are more likely to do that, and it is more interesting for the air that way than necessarily me so. reading emails. So I'm going to look into that more and see what we can work out. Sweet. All right. So E3 was this week, and out of E3 comes a whole bunch of news. So I do have some news from E3 as well as some other news to reveal. So let's go right into news. Top story this week. At the E3 Expo, Nintendo introduced a new paradigm for video games and home entertainment, Wii U a new console that includes a controller with a 6.2-inch screen. Adding a second screen to the living room creates a multitude of new game experiences while offering families a variety of options to customize their entertainment. Previously, video games played on a home console have been confined to the TV and offered identical viewpoints to each player in a multiplayer environment. Furthermore, watching TV and playing console games have been completely separate experiences. The new controller removes these boundaries, creating a more dynamic and fluid gaming and entertainment experience. In single-player games, the new controller can display information on a screen that does not appear on the TV. This is something similar to the 3DS where you can have one, or just the DS where you would have one screen with your game and one screen with your inventory, that type of thing. Uh, the information and viewpoint can also change in the new controller based on the orientation of its gyroscope. In multiplayer games, the player using the new controller can have a different experience than those looking at the TV. This will offer a wide variety of competitive and cooperative opportunities. I've seen in the demo video that they have about this, they're playing basically a tag type of game where one person is using the new touchscreen controller and basically they know where they are and can look at the world that way and also have a map of where everybody is. Meanwhile, everyone is chasing that new person or that one person and trying to tag them. 
but now they can't check and see like on the same screen where that person is. So that's kind of cool in that way. Uh, in addition to the 6.2-inch screen, the new controller also features an accelerometer and a gyroscope, a rumble feature, an inward-facing camera, a microphone, and speakers. Adding these features to the classic controller button scheme will enable a breadth of new gameplay experiences while appealing to both casual and dedicated video game players. Wii U combines motion-sensing gameplay with the ability to support full HD graphics. Finally, Nintendo... Each Wii U console will be partnered. Yeah, right. Each Wii U console will be partnered with a new controller and can also use up to four additional Wii Remote or Wii Remote Plus controllers. The system is also backward compatible and can play all Wii games and use all Wii accessories. So even though this is called Wii U, they probably should have just called it Wii Two. Uh, that's what I was thinking because when I first saw it, that's what I pretty much figured it was, and I'm like. Wait, so why are they calling it Wii U? It's pretty much just an uh, upgrade to the Wii. And once again, um, I'm going to go on a, a slight, not a rant, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, and I, I don't want to piss off any Nintendo fans because they are, the Wii was incredibly successful at what it did. And um, I'm not, I, I own a PS3, but I have played the Wii enough to know about it. And I just feel that this again is sort of this intermediate system that's going to, be the the next Nintendo system, but then you know PS3 and Microsoft, or Sony and Microsoft are going to come out with their new system that's going to blow this under the water. Yet this will still be the family kid friendly system that will be cool. But I just again don't see it, you know, being able to compete again because it doesn't unless they get that third, you know, third company, uh, third party support mm-hmm. that they still. I mean, it's probably still going to be you know straight Nintendo games and party games and stuff like that. And I just don't. I don't see it, the hardcore gamers going. I'm gonna go buy a Wii U. Like I, right. just, that's that's my as I read the article. And that's that's the only thing. I, I think it looks cool. I think it's a unique idea, and I'm sure it will be successful with the people that like the Wii. So that's that all that matters. That's all that matters. But again, I still think, woo, they're finally adding HD. It's like wow, that, they <laughs> way to get on board. Yeah, way to be in 2007. So I mean, I I, I don't know. So yeah, that's my opinion. there are clearly some innovations here, and I do give Nintendo some props for coming up with some original ideas. But this new controller is massive for one. It's counterintuitive to what the Wii actually was supposed to be. The Wii is like the get up off your couch and move around type system. You're not doing with yeah. that with this thing. This thing's huge, and it's basically like yeah. a tablet. It's it's a tablet in the middle yeah. of a regular Nintendo controller with a bunch of things in there. So it's almost like having a handheld with the system that worked together. But there are things that have been doing that already. The um, what was it? The PSP and the PlayStation Three would work together on certain games. So even though this is an innovation in a way, it's kind of been done already. Yeah, I, I, I that, that's another thing I felt. It's just sort of. This was like a retreading of trying to catch up again, try to catch up with, I don't know, Nintendo. It just always seems to be, and I, I'm gonna get flack because I know there's a lot of people that are general, you know, video games. Oh, my parents play the Wii, like you know that kind of thing, mm-hmm. like general video. And I know little kids love the. I just don't. For me, that's just nothing I would ever be, you know, interested in. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I just don't get it. I, I, I'm perfectly happy with my PS3, and I'm sure whatever Sony comes out with next will be fine. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't get it. But <laughs> I found it was interesting too, and they didn't really mention it during the Nintendo conference, but it came out afterwards. The sizzle reel that they showed of all the video game footage that would be coming to the uh, the Wii U because now it is capable of HD and a little more power than the Wii was. 
none of that footage was actually from the Wii U. It was all either Xbox or PS3 footage because the Wii U is not ready to show that stuff on it. So That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, this feels, again, like you said, Nintendo trying to catch up, trying to take advantage of that gap in between release of Microsoft and Sony consoles. Yeah. And because that's the only way they're going to make their money. They cannot compete, yeah. I don't think. No. I just hope that they make some deals with some third-party games because that's the lack. That's the one thing. But the problem is the Wii graphics, unless they upgrade the graphics significantly, the Wii could barely, like, it looked like friggin' Super Nintendo graphics half the times or N64. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, moving on, but staying in the console world uh, somewhat. What was once codenamed NGP is now officially the PlayStation Vita. Vita means life in Latin and was chosen as the name for the next generation portable entertainment system because it enables a revolutionary combination of rich gaming and social connectivity within a real world context. Successfully launching in the global market for $249, which is the Wi-Fi only model, starting the end of this year, PS Vita incorporates a beautiful 5-inch multi-touch OLED as the front display and a unique multi-touch pad on the rear. Two analog sticks enable a wider range range of game genres. Together with the front touchscreen and the rear touchpad, PS Vita offers new gameplay, enabling entirely new experiences. Another model of the PS Vita is available for $299 and will also feature 3G connectivity exclusively through AT&T in addition to the Wi-Fi. First of all, the name sucks. Yeah, I was just like, why did you change it? <laughs> NGP was a better what name I, than PS Vita. It, it sounds it sounds like I don't know what it's it just sounds like. It just sounds terrible. And um I I feel like I'm just Mr. Downer today. I'm like I'm going to rip on everything that you know. Um I think it's cool and I would be interested, but that price point is way too high. I mean, think about it. If you, for an extra, you know, $50, you can buy a friggin', you know, PS3 almost. I mean, that, that's just that's just. I don't know. I don't. I don't foresee it being that successful. Plus, it's pretty much just a PSP upgraded. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. And I don't know mobile gaming. I think a lot of people like the idea of playing stuff on their, you know, their i iPhones or whatever. So I don't know how. I'm sure it will be moderately successful, but I don't know. And plus, the whole you know 3G only through AT and T. I I don't know. I don't. And I, I I'm assuming there's no. It's it's all digital download games, right? It's not. It, there's no um, cartridges or anything like the old PSP. I haven't maybe. seen any so far, so it appears to be that yeah, way. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. So again, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, I don't know if you're if you don't if you're not around Wi-Fi, then you're. I don't know. It's just it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh, a thing again. I think just to hold. To, they needed to announce something, and it's their. You know, I don't know. I I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really have any interest in it. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm just like, no. I know what you mean. I've up. never been one for the mobile gaming. No, uh, no, thing anyway. Me. I feel like I play enough games at home. I don't really need to take it around with me. The first really mobile gaming experience I have is my iPod, and I don't even use that yeah. that much. I mean, I'll use that no. in the doctor's office when I'm waiting to go in, exactly. and that's about it. I don't need a whole system for that. That's why I think it's hilarious. I forget which site. It might have been IGN. One of the sites had an article up about how they feel that mobile gaming on phones is going to destroy the console industry. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, 
I can't ever fathom that people are going to... Yes, casual people who don't play video games, but not like the hardcore games are never going to be like, I'm going to play on my iPhone instead of playing my console. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, the last handheld system I had was Game Gear, and I still have that somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's how far back I go with get, I, you know, Game Boy. That was, that was the end of it for me. I, um, for me, it was Tiger Games. <laughs> nice! I remember those two. Yeah, that was about, about as far as I went. My friend had the Atari Lynx, which was freaking the oh, craziest God. thing ever at the time. At the time, but <laughs> like no games. Yeah. Well, as far as innovations yeah. for the PSV, as people will be calling yeah. it, no doubt, because everybody kind of hates the name, and it sounds enough like PSV, <laughs> where PSV is okay. As far as the innovations go, they do have a touchscreen on the front and the back, which is pretty cool. And they also have two analog sticks, which the PSP did not. So now you're able to play games in a similar fashion as you would on the PS3. There also are a lot of games that you will be able to basically save your progress on the PSV, go on the PS3, and resume your progress as if you were just playing from one to the other. So I can see the benefit there. That's kind of interesting. One of the things that I don't like, and they have uh, released a lot of third-party games for this, are the names of them and a lot of Sony online entertainment games, They are making an Uncharted game called The Golden Abyss, and one of the things they were showing is that instead of um, normally, like, Nathan Drake does a lot of climbing on cliffs and things like that, you can, in the past, you would use the analog sticks and the button to jump from one to the other. With the touchscreen on the PSV, you can drag your finger along a path of rocks, and he will follow that path, which is a time saver. But then again, you don't necessarily feel like you're actually doing it, and that takes away from the immersive experience. I feel. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't I, like I, it. I just don't. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> it. Like, eh. It seems convenient and it seems like a time saver, but it also feels like a cheat in a way. You know. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing that really got my perk my interest. I was like, ooh, Uncharted, Golden Abyss, but I'm like, but I'd have to buy this to play it, so no. Exactly. Like, uh, on, that was the only, honestly, the only little thing that was like, oh, that would be awesome, and then I'm like, eh. And as I get into another story in a moment, you're going to see that you might not need to get a PSV to play that one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, next story here is also out of E3. We have a few more to come out of E3, actually. Street Fighter X Tekken News. Really pumped for this game. Capcom has announced that the greatly anticipated fighting game Street Fighter X Tekken is in development for PS Vita. In addition to confirming the title for the new portable entertainment system from Sony Computer Entertainment, Capcom has unveiled that iconic character Cole McGrath from the Infamous series will be a playable character exclusive to PS3 and PS Vita. Street Fighter X Tekken is scheduled to release for the PlayStation 3 in 2012, and details will come soon for the PS Vita version. I love this that's, inclusion. That's awesome. That's that's just cool. As cool as having uh, Kratos in uh, Mortal Kombat, but maybe even cooler. Just it, the, the the screenshots are freaking awesome. Absolutely, Ryu. There have been hints yeah. as well that this is not the only cameo character we're going to see from outside of the Street Fighter or Tekken universe. Namco has said that there's such a, a birth of characters in the Namco line that why not throw another one in? And a lot of people are looking towards Soul Calibur for that to happen. I was going to say Pac-Man. No, I'm <laughs> so, Just throwing Pac-Man. I'm yeah. still I'm insanely excited for this game. It seems to be getting nothing but good buzz. And having Cole McGrath in is awesome, especially while I'm playing Infamous 2 right now and just totally high on that series. <laughs> Very cool. Here's the story that uh, <laughs> might make you have some more hope for the future of getting your hands on Uncharted the Golden Abyss. 
Two anticipated collections are making their way to the PS3 this September, both remastered for full HD support, as well as the addition of stereoscopic 3D, Dolby Surround Sound, and PlayStation Network trophies. First, Kratos returns in the God of War Origins collection, set to release on September 13th for $59.99. The collection features both previously released but now remastered God of War PSP titles, Chains of Olympus, and Ghost of Sparta. I'm pumped for that because... I love the God of War series, yeah. and I was always bummed that these were two games I was just never going to play because I didn't want to get a PSP. Yeah, and I mean, I I even saw them on the PSP. I mean, my friend Boyd had it, and he played them on the PSP, and I was watching him. I'm like, dude, I want to play this, and it was like, damn, it's only for the PSP, and it even looked great on the PSP, so I can only imagine how good it's going to look in remastered HD. So Absolutely. That's awesome news. Second, the Ico and Shadow of the Colossus collection will be hitting stores on September 27th for $39.99. The development team is hard to work uh, to meet and exceed expectations for The Last Guardian, so this collection is the perfect remedy to tide you over until the team's latest gaming masterpiece is ready. I haven't played Ico or um, Shadow of the Colossus, but I've heard they're absolutely phenomenal games, and now that they are remastered for PS3, and it's only 40 bucks. I feel like yeah. I might play these. Yeah, I, I I have a friend, Steve, who says that Shadow of the Colossus is like great, one of the greatest games he's ever played, and he like raves about it, and I never got around to playing it, but yeah, I've heard like phenomenal things about that game. I don't know about the other game, but I know Shadow of the Colossus is like one of the best like PS2 games ever made. So Yeah, so two great collections coming from Sony. And again, I apologize to the audience if a lot of my news is geared more towards Sony. Yeah, we talked about Nintendo a little bit. I'm not really talking about Halo 4 or much of the Microsoft stuff. That's just what I follow. I, <laughs> I hate to break it to anybody, but I'm, I'm a Sony fanboy. So if any... Why would you... Fo- I, mean, no fe- I mean, no offense to the audience, but why would you follow... You don't have an Xbox, so you would, you're not going to be like, oh, this is coming out for the Xbox. Oh, wait, I can't play that. Right. <laughs> I well, know. yeah, I don't really play it. And from what I saw of the Microsoft conference, there, there wasn't, wasn't much anything announced. much beyond Halo 4. Nothing like hardware, yeah. really. And um, I no. actually did watch... And, and that's another geek out I should have put in, and I meant to. Uh, to go on a side note, is that I watched the entire Sony PlayStation press conference live from E3 streaming a nearly high-definition video on my computer. And the fact that we're at that point is just (laughs) phenomenal to me. That is so awesome. Like, I didn't have to go to E3 to see this entire press conference. I watched it happen live, and it was absolutely phenomenal. There were no lag issues. I could choose different cameras to see things from different angles if I wanted to. Wow. It was absolutely amazing. So, so many props to the people who that put that stuff together and put that online. It was a great experience. And this was the first year they could really do that. And they've been meaning to for a while. And they pulled it off big time. That's really awesome. That's like... Very cool. Yeah, I loved it. It was just like being in the room with everyone. Ah, I can't I can't wait for New York Comic Con that much more now. I love that whole experience. All right, moving on. Uh, some more PlayStation stuff. Among the new technology unveiled at E3 is the 3D display, which features a 24-inch LCD screen with full HD 1080p 3D presentation. Available at retailers nationwide starting this fall, the PlayStation-branded 3D display is uniquely enhanced for gaming with a special two-player feature, offering best-in-class visuals in both 2D and 3D. The 3D display utilizes an exclusive feature that optimizes two-player mode by delivering individual full HD screens, giving each person their own full-screen view of the action on the same display while playing co-op or head-to-head. 
And let me just clarify that a little bit because this is pretty amazing, I think. You have one display that is 24 inches. Basically, you can have on your 3D glasses and the way that the shutters work within those. And if people don't don't understand the way 3D works, I'm not going to get into it to a large extent. But basically, you have shutters on these 3D glasses that flick back and forth really fast in order to show you the 3D screen. What this monitor is going to allow people to do is to look at the same monitor and see two different things while they're wearing their 3D glasses. So the days of GoldenEye where you had like four people on the same screen and doing the split screen like that, this monitor now destroys those days because you can look at the same monitor as someone else. So you might be sitting on the left side of it. They're sitting on the right side of it. And no, this isn't a back-to-back monitor. It has a slight bevel to it, but that's about it. You can now look at the entire screen and see just what you should be seeing. The other person can look at the same screen, which also fills the entire space and shows just what they should be seeing. That is amazing to me. Yeah, I I, I agree. I'm not a big fan of the whole 3D stuff, but that does sound cool. Yeah, I don't care about the 3D, but that part alone (laughs) is really, really cool. To continue on, uh, with an ultra-slim PlayStation-inspired bezel design and built-in speakers and subwoofer, the 3D display is big on image quality and sound and delivers all of your HD media simply by connecting to a PS3, PC, or cable TV box. It's perfect for bedrooms, dorm rooms, or wherever you want to play the best 3D console games. Also announced are official PlayStation 3D glasses. The package will come with one pair of the glasses with additional pairs retailing at $69.99. Each 3D display will include one pair of 3D glasses, an HDMI cable, and a copy of Resistance 3, all for $499.99. Which might seem like a lot, but considered the value of everything that's included with it is a pretty good deal, actually. Yeah. I agree. But again, it's it's if you're a 3D person, this might be really for you. I think this is really geared towards the college student because it's an affordable mm-hmm. package and it's yeah. not like a 50-inch TV screen or anything. It's something that'll fit nicely into a dorm room or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Let's see. To move out of E3 news and into some more uh, entertainment stuff here. Mark Wahlberg first made mention of a sequel to The Fighter back in March on the Academy Awards red carpet. In a clip from the Spike TV Guys Choice Awards, Wahlberg said that the Fighter 2 is happening. In real life, Mickey Ward fought Arturo Gotti in three major fights beginning in 2002, emerging as the champion. This series of fights would be the focus of the Fighter sequel. And I want to thank David, the sisters, and more importantly, we left out the Arturo Gotti fights for a reason, because that's for Fighter 2. We're not gonna do Fighter 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, but we're gonna do two. We're gonna do the Ward Gotti trilogy. We thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you. So that's exciting. I love The Fighter, and a sequel is a great idea. Yeah, I, I never really thought it would have a sequel, but I'm not against it, so I think that's kind of cool. And they clearly like planned it. on it. They left out a major part of Mickey Ward's yeah. career to cover in the sequel yeah. so that they would have enough information. And I think including that would have been way too much in the movie. It was set up yeah, so well. Yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There would have been way too much. It would have been like an extra. And then if they did, they would have to condense it down to like, yeah, then not. it's not. Yeah, so I, I like I like that idea. Yeah. I like it. Very cool. Uh, last story we have this week is, <laughs> again, a little bit of a personally selfish story because, A, I'm a Trekkie, and, B, I've made my love for Warehouse 13 very evident. Star Trek Voyager fans might be happy to hear that former castmates Jerry Ryan and Kate Mulgrew will appear in the third season of sci-fi series Warehouse 13. 
Ryan will appear in the August 1st episode as the soon-to-be-wed Amanda, who is, quote, a major in the Marines who has a past with someone in the warehouse. Mulgrew will appear in a four-episode arc beginning in September as warehouse protector Jane, who, according to executive producer Jack Kenny, plays, quote, a regent who also has a past with one of our characters. We'll learn how her past is influencing the warehouse's present. This season, more than any other season, is about how our past influences our present. The third season of Warehouse 13 begins on Tuesday, July 11th at 9 o'clock on Sci-Fi. Very cool. Very cool. I'm excited. I don't. I know. I know yeah. you don't care too much about Warehouse 13, but I'm. I'm I don't pumped. know. I. 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 I dig it. I dig it. And again, I. I want so badly to get Eddie McClintock on the show. He's one of the agents, <laughs> one of the main cast members on the show, and he's friggin' hysterical. I follow him on Twitter and everything. Love the guy. I know he's filming and stuff right now, but I want so badly to get him on the show. I have so many questions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as we wrap up the news. I'm going to put out this week's poll question and ask the audience, what was the most exciting thing to come out of this year's E3? Granted, I didn't have time to cover absolutely everything that came out. There were a number of games. There were a lot of sequels this year. A lot of like uh, Uncharted 3, Resistance 3, Gears of War 3. Like All this stuff is coming out of E3. Sequels, new games, all these things, much more than I could have covered. But for you guys, what was the most exciting thing to come out of this year's E3 for you? Send your answer via email or audio recording to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com or at Geek Generation on Twitter. It's that time, Brian. Uh oh. <laughs> Access granted. Welcome. And I probably should have thrown the warning out before we even stepped in here. But for those of you who have not seen X-Men First Class, this is your time to tune out if you do not want anything in the movie ruined. Because now that Brian and I are safe and sound in the spoiler room, anything we say is totally fair, and you have been completely forewarned. So turn off now and come back later, or deal, <laughs> basically. So, <laughs> leave your impressions of X-Men First Class, Brian. Um, I really, really, really loved it. Um, there was a couple uh, cheesy things I thought, but overall, I thought it was definitely one of the up there with X Men One and Two. Uh, definitely better than um, Wolverine Origins, and uh, god damn, much better than X Three. That pile of shit that I won't <laughs> even be mentioning because it's so bad. I hate you, Brett Ratner. Your history's greatest villain. Anyways, um, I don't know, Joel Schumacher. Uh, I was just excited to see uh, Brian Singer back. Uh, in the X-Men universe with executive producing and story credit and it really felt like the older X-Men movies where there wasn't there was fan service but there was also a story behind it where there wasn't just shit randomly thrown in for three seconds like in X-Men 3 where they're like oh it's this character for 30 seconds and no one knows who the fuck it Mm -hmm. is and I just was really blown away by how good um the name escapes me at the moment, but the guy who played the guy who played uh, the guy who played Magneto. Um, I can oh, Michael Fassbender. But uh, I really thought he did a great job at not he didn't mimic uh, Anne McKellen, which was a good idea, and he really made the part his own. And I really thought his story was really really compelling, and I really enjoyed it more than Xavier's. And I thought that you know it almost proved that Magneto was right because he warned you know he warned Charles saying you know the humans are going to turn on us and they're going to come after us and he was right and I just really liked the whole you know arc of him you know trying to deal with his past and then at the end you know finally deciding 
to you know form this this evil mutant group against humanity and I, I just thought it was really really well done um, overall the movie obviously too yeah um, obviously the greatest uh, thing that happened in the movie for commie purposes was the uh, Hugh Jackman Wolverine cameo oh yeah that was the single greatest cameo of all time in a movie probably where they basically just walk into the bar and Wolverine's sitting there they don't even have a chance to talk he just says go fuck yourselves and they walk away that was amazingly done. No, they do actually. They so like they they he doesn't look at them, but he, they walk up and they're like, "Hello, this is Eric Lencher, and I'm Charles Xavier." And he's just like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> just turn around and walk right out of the bar. Plus, it, it's worth noting that every uh, PG-13 movie gets one opportunity to use the F word, and this was it, and it was done so well. And I, I happened to see it opening night, and there was a huge, like, sellout crowd, and everyone went bonkers crazy, like, laughing hysterically and loved it. Like, there was, like, clapping and cheering. Like, it was it was so great to see that with, like, a lot. It was so it was so great. Like, one of, like, the best review experiences ever, just, like. And I, honestly, it was so great because no one spoiled it. I had not read anything about it. I didn't know if he was going to be in it. I figured he wasn't because I figured, you know, continuity-wise, they mm-hmm. probably didn't want to touch it. But I thought it was fantastic how they did that. It was just, it was just great. And for people that complain that he's the same age, let's remember that Wolverine's healing factor makes him age incredibly slow, so he yeah, could easily look the same in those two yeah. different time periods. Yeah, it's absolutely no reason for it not to. I mean, you can even technically physically work it into the continuity of Wolverine, or you can work it into anything. I mean, if you try, it's just, you know, people like to, to nitpick and stuff, but I thought it was, yeah, it's fantastic. It was definitely, um, I, I really thought they did a good job on, you know, picking... Lesser characters that people don't know, but they thought they did a good job of establishing each of the characters, um, with the exception of Emma Frost, who sort of was just there for eye candy. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense to January Jones, but she really didn't show any acting. It yeah, most of- people say that she was very wooden, and I totally agree with that. She was just there for eye candy, and the acting, granted the role didn't really call for much, but uh, I don't it, know. it just felt is- very yeah. ugh. Yeah, I almost prefer that they had gone with their initial casting rumors and casted Alice Eve in the role. Yeah, I think that would have been much better. I mean, not to say that January Jones isn't attractive and everything, and I like looking at her, but there's just nothing there. And I'm just like, you're supposed to be like a main character in the X-Men universe, and you're just like, just wooden as hell. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know what what the deal was, but um, I loved uh, the things um, that I loved. I just thought they did a really good job in... You know, like I said, just it just reminded me so much of the older. Like they threw in so many little like hints and nods to the first movie, and you know, and, and you know, by adding characters like Stryker in there, and mm-hmm. you know, I just thought it was really, really well done. And and this was that movie that I thought was going to be absolutely horrible when it was first announced. I was like, this movie is going to be terrible. Yep. I don't want to see this. And it really surprised me and shocked me at how well done it was. And, you know, Beast's special effects didn't really look... Beast kind of looked kind of honky as Blue Beast. But, you know, that stuff, you can't really... You know, I like Banshee. People are bitching that Banshee didn't have an Irish accent. I don't care. I thought Banshee was fantastic. Yeah, Moore McTaggart didn't have a Scottish accent. I don't care. I don't know if you know Moore McTaggart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really liked... uh, She did did a great job. Yeah, they re... Remade, re-ramped her as a CIA agent, agent, but I didn't mind that. And no, it worked she looked, well. And she looked really good in, uh, <laughs> in her <laughs> undergarments. But um, no, um, it was. I just that was uh, that was the only thing I thought they could have done more of. They didn't really show the love story of him and Warren McTaggart, which was a, which is a bit of Xavier and her. Which at the end they're kissing, but it, they didn't really right. show 
that really attraction through the movie, which uh, it, it wasn't a major thing, but uh, that was one of those small nitpicks. Um, I was just surprised at some of the characters they picked to put in there, like Darwin, who's was only introduced in the comics in 2006 and is not a main character at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they killed him off was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Azaziel, as people know, uh, is one of the worst characters ever created in one of the most infamous X-Men storylines ever. Um, and for some reason, he's in the movie. But I actually liked him in the movie because he was just a giant bad guy Nightcrawler henchman. So Yeah, uh, he was actually really badass. Yeah, and it was just showing, you know, like, it, I, I was surprised they didn't hint at Mystique and him, you know, because obviously that's Nightcrawler's parents. But right, right. They didn't show any sort of, like, attraction between them, which I thought was a almost a missed opportunity. But, again, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I actually, you know, when I heard Kevin Bacon playing Sebastian Shaw, I was like, oh, God, he didn't do it. I thought he did a pretty pretty damn good job. He did a really good job. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm like, Kevin Bacon, really? But, yeah, he, he did a great job. Um, well, yeah, and like anything you go over, any story like that, the heroes are only as good as, good as the, the villain is bad. So he did a I really good job there. I just didn't think he'd have that big of a part in it. And I was shocked, and I was surprisingly surprised at how um, good he did. And, you know, for uh, it wasn't a huge, huge budget. The special effects, I thought, were really really good and um you know there wasn't a lot i think what i really liked about it it was they didn't go overboard with like there's gonna be fights every 30 there was really a story to mm-hmm. it and they had the big battle at the end but it wasn't like a uh you know it wasn't like some of the movies where it was just like eye candy every five seconds to for the sake of having you know explosions and po- using their powers and i just yeah. thought it, you really got into the heads of the characters and i think that's what really made it cool and they, like you, we said there was a lot of fanboy moments you know nods that fans didn't get for example you know sebastian shaw's henchman the guy that does the tornado stuff uh is riptide who's a, a obscure 90s x-men character that maybe appeared five times in a comic and was on the 90s x-men cartoon mm-hmm. and worked for mr sinister but like stuff like that that you know no like if you were an a- hardcore x-men fan you'll know but if not it's not gonna it's not going to change your enjoyment of the movie. So, I mean, it was just, uh, I guess, I just I just really thought they did a good job um, with casting, you know, the younger character, Mystique. I thought, I liked uh, using the, the whole tease of using Rebecca Romaine Stamos when she turns into her. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That, that was cool. Um, you know, she did a really, Jennifer Lawrence did a really good job as Mystique. I just thought everyone was really well cast, actually. I, I didn't really have a problem with any of the, you know, Havoc. Um, I thought they were all very well done. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anyone. Who was the other, um, who was the other character? I don't, I can't think of right now. Oh, the only one I didn't really was okay with was that Angel character, and that's because she's from Grant Morrison's arc from 2001, and she, in the in Well, the, I was going to say, comics, was that supposed to be the Angel, like no, instead no, of no, Warren no, Worthington? No. No, no, no. She is a character that was introduced by Grant Morrison in 2001 as a new mutant who took the name Angel because Warren Worthington. She didn't know anything about Warren Worthington, and she was actually kind of trailer trash. She was really like she had a huge. Yeah, she okay. had like a, a a a gut, and like she didn't really. She wasn't a stripper, and uh, she instead of having explosive uh, vomiting spit, she had acid spit and uh, i don't really even know why they threw her in there because she's never really been a major character they wanted but... another female honestly yeah that's what it yeah. seems like yeah and uh, but um i she was okay for what she was i mean but no that was not supposed to be warren worthington um it almost was funny that they did sort of like not retcon but they pretty much kind of ignored anything that happened in x3 which i really enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> and wolverine origins for that matter because yeah. continuity wise the biggest problem is the emma frost thing 
Yeah, although did they? I'm trying to remember because I haven't watched Wolverine. Did they actually name her Emma in in Wolverine Origins? Was that her name? I think they said something to that extent, but it was obvious know, I, that that was. Yeah, I know she turned into Diamond. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. So, but you know, I don't have really a problem. That I mean, I liked Wolverine Origins, but you know, they fucked up Deadpool. You know, Gambit was cool, but other than that, there's really nothing in there that you needed to have and right. that links to any of the other movies. So, I'm completely okay with them doing that, and I. For some reason, this is, sounds so stupid to me, to anyone, because this is I'm um, such a huge comic book fan. I, for some reason, didn't expect them to deal with Professor X getting paralyzed. I didn't either, but, and I thought that was done insanely so well. So all of a sudden, when they did it, I was like, "Holy shit!" And I thought that was so great, yeah. Just to see him like, and then that was like the thing. It just, it was just so well done. And that was one of the best uh, exposures of the relationship between Eric and Charles. Yes. Is that? Yes. Even though, like he did that, and he had a major beef with him, he he didn't want to hurt him. He did not no. want that to happen. Blamed it right away on Moira, and like yeah. and like just, really wanted to comfort him and yeah. fix things. Yeah, and it just always shows that like they they're they're still so close friends, but they just have completely different um ideologies, and it's just it's such the crux of X Men. That's why I thought it was such a great. They did manage to make an, a great X Men movie without having to, you know, have you know Wolverine in the movie yep. a lot. You know, Cyclops. They they managed to make an X Men movie that I think really got down to the core ideas still, and really you know took you through the journey. And I, I just thought it was a fantastic, fantastic movie. I actually think it was better than Thor, and uh, that that wow. hurts. I, I I thought so. I mean, I just was like really really enjoyed it and I, I did not have a chance to see it a second time but i would definitely get it when it comes out on blu-ray or whatever but yeah it definitely i mean i own x3 because i had to buy it because it was a damn trilogy <laughs> that's but uh no i just it it so made up for x3 and i i really hope it doesn't look like they're gonna be able to make a sequel but i kind of wish they would do another one that sort of takes place in between this one and x-men one sort mm-hmm. of you know but uh, I, I really, I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. I really, I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, so. I think this movie more so than any of the other X Men movies, like you said, really got to the core message of what X Men is really about, about yeah. that acceptance and, um, like th- this was where mutants were first surfacing. So yeah. now it's the question of, okay, are people going to accept us or not? And they really played that throughout the whole movie, even through the ending, where. Charles was like, "No, we we're gonna stand our ground, and they will they will back us because of what we've done for them." And he's mm-hmm. wrong. And Eric yeah. is like, "I told you, <laughs> this is what was gonna happen, and yeah, this will always I, happen." But Charles has the undying faith in humanity. Yeah, I, I just loved the little things, like you know them playing chess, you know, like alluding, and just like 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 I said, like Eric saying, you know, the, Charles, you're wrong. They're gonna they're gonna come, and like you just you knew I watched X Men one, like right last week and you know there's so many like overlapping things that it fits in so well mm-hmm. so you can tell like if brian singer wasn't involved i think it really would have not been as, as and you know it, it i know a lot of people hate him because of superman returns but he's just for some reason when he touches the x-men he's gold like right. x1 and x2 are just so great movies and this one as well and I, I just just fantastic stuff and i really liked the fact that it was a period piece and they yep. added you know that realism to it and um, I actually geeked out the most, and I, this is such a stupid geek out, but <laughs> the very beginning is uh, they use the exact same beginning yes. to um, the first X-Men movie with the exact same score yep. um, and everything, which was fantastic. I just thought that was great. Those so, origin stories for Professor X and Magneto were fantastically done, too. 
Yeah, yeah. Where just, he freaks out and like everything uh, in the room that's metal just starts shattering and twisting yeah. and bending and yeah, so good. The the couple things that uh, bothered me from a comic book standpoint, maybe you can answer. Well, for one, storytelling wise, Mystique's departure felt a little weak. Um, yeah, to a certain extent, I thought it was kind of abrupt, but on the other hand, she really, it showed that she really, you know, she had slowly beginning to, you know, not, she was, she was beginning to, you know, wanting to go with Magneto, and I mean, you know, trying to seduce, even showing up in, her, in his bed naked, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff, and then, you know, I think, even though she saw Charles get hurt, I think that may have been the breaking point of her realizing, like, I can't do this anymore, and, you know, maybe Magneto is, maybe this guy's right, and I'm gonna go with him, but yeah, I understand, it was a little, I, I felt the same way, it was kind of, you know, abrupt and not as as well done as it should have been but uh yeah yeah but it, again they needed to set it up so she's with magneto at the end etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. i was really amused by the line in cerebro when uh hank was like hey you should um or hank henry mccoy uh yeah, well, yeah, yeah they call him hank too yeah, right? yeah okay. I, was, I, was like, I was gonna say that. that's not wrong <laughs> when he was like oh this would work better if you shaved your head and he's like don't touch my hair <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was actually shocked. I thought they might have actually had it had be bald by the end. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing that is comic book maybe connected is that I wasn't sure if freezing, quote unquote, freezing Sebastian Shaw the way that Charles did would actually prevent his powers from working on like an instinctive level and preventing the coin to pass through his brain. You know, is Probably. that possible? I don't even know. That's such a. That's more even like a. Not even a comic book question. More of like a. How far do you want to descend your bis- disbelief? Exactly. I mean, like I thought maybe his powers were instinctive. It's not like he actively thinks about having that happen. And as far as I know, Professor X doesn't have the ability to shut down a mutant's powers by going inside of their head. So that it, I don't know. I mean, it was fine in the movie as a whole, and they've mm-hmm. never said otherwise. But as far as connecting to the comics, I was like, well, can, can that actually happen? Can he really do that? And I mean, also, Sebastian Shaw's powers were completely changed. Not completely changed. In the comics, his powers are he absorbs physical energy that, like, if you punch him, he absorbs it and makes it more him more powerful and indestructible. But he doesn't have that giant, you know, awesome power that they gave him for the movie, which obviously they needed because if not, he'd been kind of lame. Right, right. Oh, so- <laughs> well, yeah, he was a mix between, like, himself and Bishop in a way. Yeah, and even and even with the genetic stuff, it was kind of almost like a Mister Sinister type thing that they gave a part of him, like that kind of stuff with the genetics, and you know. Um, so I I don't know. Um, I just really really liked the end where Magneto's helmet. They actually redid yes. redid the helmet and did it much more comic accurate yep. as opposed to the first movie where it was just sort of like a molding. And this one, it's got like the actual, you know thing on the top and i just kind of was cool how they introduced his helmet period how you know shaw had it to block from being intruded psychically and Mm -hmm. then you know magneto takes it eric takes it at the end i just thought that was really well done as well it was also cool how they even decided to come up with code names kind of tying in that cia element like oh we're part of the cia now we should have code names and they're all navy (laughs) yeah and like the whole x-men thing yeah i thought that was really well done yeah and you know Magneto, but yeah, you know, like I said, there was a couple of lines that, here and there that were kind of cheesy, and you know, but I, I thought it was really, really well done. And it's a shame if we don't get to see a sequel. I, I just kind of, I don't think Fox is going to let the X Men franchise die, die because if they do, the rights will revert back to Marvel. Right. So 
they're going to do something. I don't know. Singer has mentioned that he, someday he'd like to go back to the other end of the, the line and continue on his story of because he never got to do his X3, the the real Phoenix saga he wanted to do. So I don't know if it's going to be something that on that end, but I assume that would be require way too much money to hire the actors back mm-hmm. but or if they're going to do something in between. So I don't know, but I, I just really – it just adds so much more to X-Men number one if you watch it now. Like, the whole stuff with Xavier and Magneto now just means so much more. Like, when Magneto... Like, because they already, they already know each other when, you know, in X-Men. And this just adds so much layer, much more layers to it. So, it's just it's just all around. People thinking of it as a reboot, but I'm like, it's not really a reboot. It's a, it's more of a prequel. But pe- people seem to think it's a reboot. It is, I'm like, it is more of a prequel, yeah. I originally thought yeah. it was a reboot, too. So, I mean, yeah, it's just... So, that that's my uh, say. If you haven't seen it... Well, I don't know why you'd be listening to this because it's a spoiler room. Right. Uh, so never mind then. But uh, no, I, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. But um, I don't know. We'll see if it, if Green Lantern can uh, change it and and take over as or Super Eight take over as my yeah. favorite movie. So I, I too, um, I, I would love to see a sequel to this one. I actually think it would be a bold move, but a good one if they totally went in and retconned X Men Three and said, okay, we're gonna make X Men Three. And basically yeah, I, do I, the Phoenix Saga the right way. I would love that. I would love it too, and I I wouldn't put it past Fox because I mean the only reason they did that was because they wanted to get out fast, and Singer dropped off to do Superman Returns, and they were pissed. And Brett Ratner is a shitty director, and he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, he banged Lindsay Lohan, but never mind. Um, so he's never made a good what? movie, but uh, he brought in he just brought in a rant. They brought him in, and he completely shit over everything. Let us not remember killing Cyclops off in 30 seconds, yeah. killing Professor X. Just I, it didn't exist, and it doesn't exist in my reality of, of X Men movies. It just never happened. Mine neither. And, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, let's make Jean into the Phoenix by giving her dark eyeshadow and black veins. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. So yeah, it just, just no, it didn't happen. But yeah, I, I would love that, and I, I think he really felt felt bad that he didn't get to finish off his trilogy. Yeah. So I think you know it could, it technically could happen. I, again, though, I think it would require a lot of you know. You know, getting a lot of the big named actors back, but I don't think. I mean, Patrick Stewart did the cameo in Origins, so mm-hmm. I don't think he's against. You know, a lot of them I don't think would be you know, obviously huge act, but I don't see any of them ever having an objection. Just sort of money they would have to work out. So, sure. you never know. Well, to wrap up the spoiler room discussion, where would you place First Class in the realm of X Men movies? Where does it rank to you? To me, it goes X Two, which is still the best X Men movie ever. Uh, then First Class, then X-Men. Actually, First Class and X-Men are kind of side and side with maybe X-Men a little higher just because it was the first one mm-hmm. that I ever saw. But it, they're shy. And then um, Wolverine, and then way, way in the fucking basement, not even <laughs> next, X3 because it's a piece of shit. It's just uh, – there's maybe 15 minutes out of it that I can tolerate that are you know, not bad, but the rest of it is just – you know, stupidity run run amok with you know even you know I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah, Just that was terrible, terrible shit. Well, People and uh, yeah, they did. I don't know why. Um, in similar standings to you. I I do think that X Men Three is obviously near the bottom. That's like it's just dead to me as well. But for me, First Class is the best X Men movie. Okay, I think they just did everything right as far as the message and really getting to the core of what the characters are all about. And I mean, I love. Patrick Stewart's performance, and I loved Ian McKellen's performance in the other X-Men movies, but something about the way that McAvoy and Fassbender portrayed Charles and Magneto and their relationship was just stupendous. It was it was yeah. spot on, and yeah. that is really what the X-Men story is all about. 
Yeah, uh, I just thought one one final thought that was kind of funny actually. Yeah. I loved how um, when Xavier in the beginning was like in the in the bars hitting oh, the yeah. girls, <laughs> he was using that the line from the very first movie in the intro of, from from X Men One where it's like human human muta- human mutation is blah blah blah. That's like the exact <laughs> word for word from the first movie. I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, that is funny. So, all right. Well, then as we wrap up the show, do you have a final thought or something you'd like to plug? Um, if you haven't yet, please check out my graphically speaking last week where my friend Glenn and I go over the DC reboot and, um, there should be another one coming out in a couple weeks. So, um, check that out. And we actually have a new, I have a Twitter account for it now. It's graphic speaking. So follow me or follow us. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well then, as usual, I ask everybody, please share the show on Facebook and Twitter and spread the word, search out your geekiest friend. Get at least one person listen to it, because if you do, then we've doubled our listenership right there. If you want to see any of the stories we talked about or made reference to, really, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com. On the sidebar, there is a button to subscribe in iTunes, and there's also a button to subscribe in Miro, which is another audio listening program that seems to be getting very popular. So the show has been submitted there, and hopefully we'll get some listeners from that side as well. There's also a donation button on the side, so please send us money. If you have any questions, comments, insults, or topics you would like us to discuss on a future show, you can send those to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com or at geekgeneration on Twitter. If you'd like to submit an article to the site or an audio file to the show, you can send those to guest at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at the Night Angel. Brian is at Xander Harris. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Wrapping up a somewhat longer than usual, but I guess still not out of the range of our normal shows. Uh, Episode 40, only 10 away from 50, which will be another huge milestone, I think. We're not far away from a year of doing this already. I believe next week will be our one-year anniversary of the Geek Generation podcast. Holy crap. Yeah, believe it or not. So we've missed a few weeks here and there, because we'll only be at 41 at that point. But I'd say we're on a pretty good roll so far. Yeah, that's, 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 hey man, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, so getting ready for next year's big one year extravaganza. I don't know if I have anything planned <laughs> for it yet, but uh, we'll see. Tune in and find out. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Later. So-